Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Um, you can see how this weather has turned to the worst, and it has scared some people off. <laughs> it's always funny. Like that first, like cooler rain day, you're like, oh, I'm melting. Um, so, good news is uh, you're here. Uh, better news is um, we're getting ready to get into the Word, and the Word is where um, our source of peace and power comes from. Um, so today we're going to be in Galatians 5, 16 through 26 in just a minute. Here's the one thing that I want you to hear out of today's message. Life and peace come from being in step with the Spirit. So I typically ask questions in services and typically tell everybody not to raise your hand or not say anything. But today, I'm going to get you to raise your hand if you want to contribute to what's getting ready to happen. Who here in this room, other than me, is a naturally fast walker? Anyone? Confessions? Okay, okay. Oh, I like when we get some ladies that are naturally, because usually it's the husbands that are just running away. Um, well, I am. And I don't know why. Uh, most of the time, it's not because I'm in a hurry or I'm running late. It's just how I'm wired. Um, I don't know if there's like... And I can only experience the, from the male perspective, so forgive me, ladies, but it's, everything's a competition. Like, who's going to get to the grocery store door first? I, you know, you get out of the car and you're like, they're fiddling with the, whatever. Um, you just have to go. But it's just in me um, to walk fast. And um, my wife can uh, attest to this. And, and for those in here who struggle with being connected to a fast walker, I'm sorry. I am. Uh, my wife, if she, she'd get up here, you know, she, she can amen all she wants to this, uh, because it's, it's not intentional. It's not like I don't want to walk with her or, you know, ten paces behind. It's none of that. It's literally, I'm just like, there's like one speed. And so what I'm going to talk about this today is this idea that if I want to get in step with Jody in walking, I have to choose to slow down, get beside her, and get in step with her. Her responsibility, which I struggle with at the time, isn't to walk as fast as me. My responsibility, if I want to be in step with my wife, is to choose to get in step with her. And some of you, I may have just started a fight, which I did not intend to. Um, and I will say, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and I won't even get into that, um, but I'll, I'll talk about some strategies of how to have some marital peace in your house by choosing to walk together. Uh, but today, in Galatians 5, we're going to discover how being in step with the Spirit is our path to life and peace. An advanced warning um, for those who enjoy, and this will make sense in the Word, and if you know it already, who enjoy your life in the flesh, your life in the flesh will not like what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we invite you. Um, not that you're not already here, not that we've not already asked collectively for you to be here in this room, but Lord, I invite you into this part of our service. Lord, you, you do things in your word with our hearts 
that we cannot do on our own. So, Lord, I pray that today your word would not speak condemnation, would not beat us down, but, Lord, it would move us through conviction into action to changing what and who we're in step with. So, Lord, help us see the consequences of us not choosing or choosing to be in step with the wrong thing. But let your word move us to action. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a great follow-up for those who were here last Sunday or heard our message last week out of 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh and how weakness is our measure uh, or our ability to get into the power of God. Us acknowledging where we're at and what we need from Him. Today is another one of those days that surrender is our means to healing and transformation. This is a letter just like 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that Paul is writing to the church, to a church or group of churches, to deal with an issue. Um, as you'll know, in most of the letters written to churches, they weren't just like, you guys are doing awesome. It was like, hey, there's things going on that we need to address, which that should cue into us in our life of being a follower of Jesus, that he is not interested in us staying the same, even if we're comfortable with it. And so what's happened and why this letter is written is that Paul um, went on a missionary journey. He began this church. Uh, and this church, who was probably started originally with some Jewish uh, believers, um, was growing very rapidly into the Gentile uh, market. Like the majority probably of the church here in this area were now non-Jews that weren't living or practicing uh, the traditions of the Jewish people. And there was a group of people that were coming into the area and basically causing um, trouble because they were telling this group of believers who are now following, obedient, saved, that... For their salvation, they need to also follow into the law, like being when the primary discussion here was circumcision, that you had to do this thing um, along with following Jesus. And Paul is writing this letter, dealing with that untruth so that people could be in this place of walking this out. And so in Galatians um, 5, which we're going to jump into right now, starting in verse 16, um, in, in the subheading of this, I didn't just make up this step in step with the Spirit, is keep in step with the Spirit. And Paul's telling them, he starts in verse 16, he says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's telling the people that are hearing this message that if you're going to walk in the Spirit, there's going to be transformation. You're going to be different if you live in this. And just so you understand that these weren't just this, you know, sometimes we can take one thing in the Bible and maybe it's the only time it's there and we run with it. And this is an idea that they talk about on a fair amount. Not only um, uh, several weeks ago, we talked about Paul talking to the people about running this race. I mean, so there is this idea that we're called to keep pace and, and, and run for this. But look at all these other examples of this. First one's in Romans 8, verse 4. It says, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Galatians 4.1, it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have been called. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's this intention and I think sometimes uh, when we, in, in our southern Christian culture, also born in the south, so like it is something that's just in me, so forgive me if this isn't the way you think or feel, but like in us, there's this kind of, this <laughs> kind of southern Christian standard that if you say yes to Jesus and get wet, that you're good. And that's pretty much the two steps that you have to do um, to be saved and have life in God instead of this idea that God calls us to be followers of him that this is a journey that we get on that we're on for our entire life so this walking is very important meaning that we're moving in the direction that god is calling us so we're going to get into this area of paul dealing with things that are going on what happens when you're drawn into this flesh so in verse 17 it says for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to, um, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And we've heard that in Paul in chapter 6 of Romans where he says, hey, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. That there's you know, this old wicked man that I am who can save me. When Romans 8, 7, there's also this, uh, in 7 and verse 8, it says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so before we jump into this, let me, let me just give a little caveat. Because I think I'm getting ready to get into a list that um, some of you are like, oh no, not at all, not at all. But every person in this room is going to be affected in one way or the other, no matter how great or small, on some of the list of the works of the flesh. I don't think anybody's going to be left out. But let me, let me just say this before I list them. Is that the answer here isn't just to stop sinning. I think sometimes we hear sins and we're like, i got to stop. And we tell ourselves, i got to stop. And I, I want to just tell you that it's not just because if we, if we, many of us have been in seasons of our life that we're like, we need to stop doing this. And if us just saying to ourselves, stop, we need to stop worked, we would all be better people right now. I don't know if you've seen this, and I've used this illustration before, uh, but there's a guy for our older generation, you'll know who I'm talking about, a younger generation, will have no clue. There's a guy named Bob Newhart. There's a YouTube video. It's hilarious. Uh, he's a counselor. Um, a lady comes in to get help from him. And he's sitting on the other side of the desk, and he explains his services. This is what it does. This is the first five minutes. costs $5. After that, it's free. And she's like, for, for real? She, who knows how much money she spent on counseling up until this point? And she's like, man, this is amazing. And she said, yes, I have a tried, or he says, I have a tried and true system. It only takes five minutes to bring healing. And the lady's like, this is She's excited. And he said, go ahead. And she said, I have a fear of being buried alive in a box. 
kind of nods his head like any well-meaning counselor. And he looks at her and he says, stop it! And she's like, well, you know, I have this fear. I can't stop this fear. And he's like, stop it! And it goes back and forth and she keeps trying to say, well, I've had this since I was little. And he stop it! He keeps yelling, stop it! Every time she would get into, he wouldn't even let her finish her thought. And finally, before the five minutes, she gives one more plea of like, this is what's going on. He says, stop it! Or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> Which is funny. Not burying people alive in the box, but... That, I think, sometimes is how we feel about ourselves when we can't break sin patterns because we've, we, we've told ourselves, just stop it, stop doing this. We've had other people say, if you'll just stop this, it'll be better. And I want to just tell you that if, if we could have stopped it, and this isn't true, but if we could have stopped it, there wouldn't have been a need for Jesus. Now, granted, that really flies against our real theological perspective of that we were born in sin and we've needed help since the day we were born. But we don't have the capacity in ourselves for lasting change. And you may be looking at the lens of going, hey, I'm in a good place and I've worked hard to get here. And let me just tell you, if, if, if it's you without Jesus, without being in step with the Spirit, it will only last as long as that good season is there. And so Paul is going to give into this list of if, if when you're walking in the flesh, this is what happens. In verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then it says, I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> kind of serious, right? It's hilarious. Like, I have this Bible program that gives me, I don't know how many commentaries. Some people don't even touch this. <laughs> like, some commentaries, like all the other verses. <laughs> And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my, um, my two cents, and maybe they're smart and I'm dumb because I'm going to give you an opinion, which is what it is. But there's no one in this room that's not affected by this list at some point. If you've been saved more than three minutes, there's something on this list that you've fallen into. And you might look at some of these things and go, well, I haven't done those. And feel good about yourself. When he gives us this list, and this list is not exhaustive, because you might be thinking, oh, I'm good on that list. But really, probably not. I mean, if we just want to play with the ones that we feel okay talking about, like fits of anger, like when was the last time you lost it? Recently? And maybe you're not an angry person. Maybe it's just, um, you know, it, if we don't get into talking about idolatry. You're like, I, I, I don't have any idols in my house. Let me just, let me just break this one down. Your house may be your idol. The things in your house may be your idol. Yes, we don't, we don't have these things like we read in the Bible that are literally like this is the God of whatever, but we're, our life a lot of times is ruled by idolatry, strife and jealousy, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions. There's so many things on here. And here, here's just my little opinion. In your first service, people, I missed this, so you're going to get something that they didn't. I just want to tell you, and, and this is my opinion on the last part of this, because I, I believe Jesus, in his payment of our sin penalty on the cross, paid for our sins past, present, and future for those who are surrendered to him. And so if you've fallen into one of these, I, I look at this, will not inherit the kingdom of God, as those who are given themselves to this and this alone. That this is your life, this is all you choose, not those who, you know, uh, had a little pity party of anger recently and are aware because of the Holy Spirit that is in them that what happened wasn't right and I want to move, I don't want to be here. The danger is when you get in these places and you're okay with being this person. And so, in verse 22, he goes into what it looks like for us to be in step with the Spirit and why I say life and peace come from being in step with the Spirit. So in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we're going to be honest, if you're in a relationship with somebody in this room, which list would you prefer your spouse or significant other to, to bear fruit out of? Is, you know, is there anybody who wants uh, 19, 20, and 21 to be the list of the person that you live with, spend time with, that be what they... Pour? No. Because out of these, being connected to the Spirit, the fruit of our being in step with the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these aren't gifts in a sense that, well, He didn't give that one to me. Okay, let's just, let's just deal with that. Be like, oh man, you know, when God doled out gifts, He did not give me patience. If you're struggling with having patience... You're struggling to be in step with the Holy Spirit. That, that's the movement that we're talking about. If you're struggling with one of these, being in step with the Holy Spirit, being in step with where God is leading you, will lead you to walk in these things as your fruit. In John fifteen five, you have this same type of idea. And this is Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is no fruit outside. There, there is no 22 and 23 outside of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. There just isn't. And that abiding is something so much deeper. It's this being connected. You may tell you the easiest way for the couples in this room that are just fast walkers. It's up to you. Because you've, you've proven that they can't catch you, and you've won. Let me just give you a prize so you can stop racing. You've won. You're faster than them until you break a leg, and then it's <laughs> all up. Let me tell you how we can fix it, and, 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 and I struggle with this. The easiest way to fix that is to slow down 
and grabbed their hand. You know what's really difficult? Is dragging another person to your pace. Because it's easy when you're just walking by yourself to be like, oh, no, no, look how good I'm doing. And then you look back and they're, you know, however far behind you. It's really difficult to do that when you're connected. And this abiding in John 15 is this, this being connected. And that's partly, not partly, that's what we're talking about today. That I, the fruit of our life, the things that we want to see come out of our life are going to be rooted in us being in step, being connected, abiding in the one who loves us. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let me just tell you, this is an active word. And not a pleasant word. I think crucifixion has become pleasant in a sense because we feel like our salvation is tied to it, so it's become something that's like palatable for us. But this is a means of torture that the Romans, I mean a horrible means of torture that they would do to eliminate someone's life intentionally. This doesn't just happen. If we're going to eliminate these, these other fruits of the flesh... It's going to be intentional, born out of surrender, repentance, and actions. If we're going to crucify that part of us, we have to be intentional about it. In verse 25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, the thing that has to change for us to get in step with the Spirit is always you. I think some of us wait. We're waiting for the other person, for the other thing to change so that we will. When the reality is that if we are going to get in step with the Spirit, we cannot demand that the Spirit change for us. We, just like the example that I used with Jody, we have to be intentional of stopping, going to the place of connection and connecting, and then doing the work of staying connected, staying tethered, because in that we get to learn a new pace. Life in the flesh is all about me. It ruins everything it ruins relationship there's not relationships don't end because of the fruits of the spirit relationships end because of fruits of the flesh the works of the flesh that's where they end because the works of that is all about me it's all about what i want when i want it and how i want it and we live in this life just like me i want to walk fast I don't know why. I need to sit in front of my man for him to just tell me stop it for eight hours every day so that I can slow down. I actually read a a book uh, that I'd recommend called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, written by a pastor. And and one of the things that he said, let me just, is this, you want to just mess with you? One of his ways of, of, of implementing this in your life 
is driving the speed limit. Oh, all for all of you people out there that are just like, I don't know why we're in a hurry. I was, we drove to get coffee before service started and I had two guys in the car and he's like, whoa, whoa, like who are we? And I, we weren't in a hurry. We weren't running late. There wasn't someone in a Camaro beside me that I decided I wanted to race. They're just, just always in a race. And he had lots of interesting things to do to change, to get in this state of being at rest, which is a whole other topic. So here, here's, here's my application. So you may read all this and be like, yep, struggling. Yep, um, really don't see a whole lot of the fruit of the Spirit in me right now. How? Because I think sometimes we, I, can, I can, hopefully we don't do this on a regular basis, I can tell you that you have a problem and then go, that's great, see you later. But here, here's what I want to tell you. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This isn't like, man, if you do A, B, and C, you're going to be in step with the Spirit. But I think it's a good start. I put in my first category that if you're going to get in step with the Spirit, and this goes into the illustration, is confession and repentance. It's this change. And let me, let me clarify repentance, because I think we here, as Americans, we hear repentance... And, and we translate that into English as, I'm sorry. Which is not what repentance is. Repentance isn't telling God or someone else, I'm sorry. Repentance is realizing that you're going the wrong way. And choosing to course correct and go the right way. If we're going to move towards being in step with the Spirit, we have to change. And that happens with confession and repentance. I don't know for those that may have missed this, but we had this huge, um, not we collectively, but uh, Christians, they had this huge like National Day of Prayer that was in Washington, D.C. last Saturday, which got on my spectrum. I didn't see any news of this. Uh, but one of the, uh, it was like 11 hours, you can still go watch it, but one of the ones that I watched is this guy, and he was just talking about like, man, basically calling our country to repentance. Like, we, we it, it's time, and I'm not a, like, the sky is falling type of God, but we've got to live, and this isn't, confession and repentance isn't a one-time deal. If you're in the room and you say, well, I did that when I got saved, and that was the last time you kind of walked out confession and repentance, you're doing it wrong. Confession and repentance is a lifestyle that we live in, of going across the line, and this could, of course, this is to the Holy Spirit confessing and repentance. But there's, and this is the back end of these that I'm going to give you is accountability. But there's power in if we confess our sins one to another, that we will be healed. There, there's this power in us unburdening ourselves with what's going on. But living in this place, and this needs probably be a daily or twice daily or three times daily thing that you live in. I heard um, someone say this one time that the, the, the measure of your maturity is how quickly you'll repent. How quickly after you say or do something that you shouldn't, how quickly you'll allow the Holy Spirit to go, no, that's not right, and confess and repent. So that's 
first thing that I think, if you live in that place, that's a great start to getting in step with the Spirit. The second one, uh, and I had put this first because I, I really think Bible reading is uh, critical. It is the one primary way that we can know God, what He's saying, what He's doing better than anything else. Living in this place of confession and repentance that can even be the springboard of interreading. And I put reading and studying because I think sometimes we can be like, yes, read and we have our three or four verses or maybe one verse and we read it and we go. Studying it. Like literally, what, what are you saying to me? Like when you are reading through Galatians five sixteen through 26, if you're reading this yourself because it's a familiar passage, Lots of people have verse 22 and 23 written up in their house. Like my mother-in-law. She has it written in one of their bathrooms. And it's, it's, a, it's a familiar phrase. So when you're reading it, in your reading, do you just read through it and be like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know that one. Or do you look at this and, and, and get convicted by some of these things that you may be falling in and be like, hey, having that verse... 21 to kind of spur like there needs to be action to bring change my third thing so confession repentance bible reading and study my third thing is prayer the greatest way to humble yourself is to pray regularly because prayer is an open acknowledgement that you cannot but he can it's you and just like we talked last week with paul even when god doesn't respond in the way that you want him to doesn't mean that he's not working Paul paid three times that that thorn would be removed, and God's voice to him said, My grace is sufficient. And side note, come pray with us outside tomorrow night, 7 to 8, on our property. Side, side note, you don't have to pray out loud if you want to. So don't be like, ooh, I'm not ready for that. Just come. You can pray to yourself. We're going to walk around the property, ask God to intervene. As we go into the season of life, that he'd be being peace and change to our lives. And the last thing, so confession, repentance, Bible reading and study, prayer. My last thing is accountability. I'm a big proponent. If you want to move forward, the greatest way to see that happen is invite someone else into it. The worst thing that you can do at a Sunday morning message when you hear, hear a word preached and you feel in your soul like there's something that needs to change in me, the worst thing that you can do is keep it in yourself. Almost every decision I've made internally that I don't vocalize to somebody else, I fail at it even quicker. Like if I decide here out of conviction, and this is a silly example, that I don't want to eat sugar, but I don't tell anybody I don't want to eat sugar. And tomorrow when I see sugar, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat it. But if I tell my wife, hey, Jody, like I feel like sugar's not good for me. I don't want to eat any more sugar. And when I go get, which is a favorite of mine, a popsicle. And I'm talking about sugar-free popsicles. I'm talking about like, like Kool-Aid popsicles. Cup of sugar. When I go get that popsicle... Um, she, because I've invited her into that, can be like, hey, I thought you weren't eating sugar. Like, thanks, babe. <laughs> I love you. I appreciate you. You're, you're right. <laughs> it's dangerous. I'm telling you, when you let it out of your mouth, this is what I'm going to do. Accountability will kick your tail. But it 
will be one of the main ways that you'll see fruit in your life. If today you're like, man, I don't read enough, or I don't read at all, I need to read. And I want to, here, here's a plan I'm going to do. And you can, the great thing of these Bible apps, you can invite people to read this plan with you. Ask them beforehand. Because there's like, you know, sometimes a guilt associated with that. Like, I'm already in a reading plan. I don't have time for this. But I don't want to say no to you. But just tell them, this is what I'm going to read. Ask me about it. Or, uh, Alan and I, we exchange um, Proverbs almost every morning. We, we, you know, I read Proverbs in the morning. I, I send him one that I read and we go back and forth. It could be as simple as that. Like, hey, this is a verse that I read this morning that I just want to share. Accountability is critical. So here's some questions that I have for you. Then we're going to go into worship. Based on what you just heard in the text, what are you in step with? And this, you don't have to say out loud, of course. The, the quickest way to answer that is to look at the list of works of the flesh. and Look at the list of fruits of the Spirit and see where your actions are are in, what category they're in, because that'll tell you what you're in step with. And here's another question for you. Right now, based on what I believe the Holy Spirit does in and through us as we get in the Word together, what do you need to confess and repent of now? Because I think sometimes when we're in these moments, like the Holy Spirit convicts us, but we, we, and, we, and we get it. But we don't do anything with it and we leave here and it becomes a distant memory and oh, it's not that bad and I'm doing pretty good and we use all these excuses instead of literally acknowledging and repenting and moving away from it. And here's one statement and then my last question. Without surrender and repentance, we cannot walk this out. Because if you know this is my, the, the fruit, the works that I'm walking in are of the flesh. You can't move out of that without confession and repentance. So here's my last question. I'm going to get our worship team to come back up. And we intentionally have worship at the end of our service because I think the best time for you to act on what God's doing in these moments is now. Life hits you between the eyes as soon as you walk out of here, as soon as something doesn't happen or work. And, and so here, here's my last question for you. What is your now action step? Based on what you've heard today, based on some of my recommendations for getting in step with the Spirit, what's your first step? What do you need to do? What is your action step for now? And then the second part of that is what, so if, you, if you're going to do something now, what's the next? So if you're going to do, I'm going to do this, what's your next? Like if you're going to do something now, what's your step this week to move in that direction? Because out of that, life and peace come from being in step with God. This is what we get by being in step with Him. And so it is your choice to slow down and to connect so that you can get in step. Let's pray. Lord, you know what's going on inside of everyone in this room. Lord, you know the ones in this room that are they're putting on a good face, they're smiling and and they're they're struggling. 
they're fighting when they see that list of the works of the flesh that that that's there's something in that list that they cannot overcome. There's something in that list that they cannot get rid of. And it's something that is defining them and keeping them in that place. And Lord, I, I just declare in Jesus' name that where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Lord, interact. Let them hear your whisper of come. Come like you are. Lord, I love that you came and and declared by your son that you didn't come for the sick. You didn't come for the well, excuse me. You came for the sick. So Lord, I pray that we could acknowledge that sickness and invite you into it. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing and restoration. I pray that our church would see the fruits of the Spirit because we choose to be in step with you. We choose to trust you with our life. We choose to acknowledge our need and desperation for your help. So, Lord, we invite you into that. We invite you into our mess so that you can help us get clean, that you can help us walk in this life, this newness that you want to bring to us. Lord, I pray that we would understand that you've made us new, that the old is gone. Lord, help us breathe in the life that you've created for us through your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, thank you for loving us and being patient with us. Help us take action now. We pray these things in Jesus' name.